Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Menares. I believe that we all need a space to speak our authentic truth, as well as a space to hear the truths of real and vulnerable people so that we can better understand that we are not alone. Hearing the experiences of others encourages us to step into the light in our own lives. It is through owning our stories and learning to speak our truth that we are able to grow and rise above the challenges we face and step into the full power of all we were created to be. You will hear many topics discussed in this space with people from all over the world. We hope that you feel welcomed into a community of growth and that this space will invite you to uncover the absolute greatness that is already inside of you. Oh, and don't forget, check out all the We Podcast episodes as well as the We Spot blog over at thewespot.com. Are you ready? Let's dive in. You're listening to episode number 48, Making an Impact. In this episode, I get to interview Anthony Santangelo. Anthony's life motto is, if you want to improve your life, go all in. Anthony has been in the car business since 1997. He sold 3,486 cars in his career and was ranked in the top 1% in the country for CSI from 2012 to 2016. He is currently a national sales recruiter and trainer for Automax Recruiting and Training and is one of the authors of 10X Mindset Habits. His passion, integrity, and work ethic are second to none, which shows his goal of positively affecting everyone he interacts with in becoming a better person. Anthony is committed to follow his life cycle every day, which consists of learning, developing, growing, and teaching. This applies not only to the car business, but in his personal life as well. In his free time, Anthony is an avid sports fan and a semi-professional poker player. It was wonderful to have Anthony as my guest. I totally appreciate his heart and vulnerability, especially in sharing the part of his story where he lost his mother to breast cancer as a teenage boy. No doubt you will find lots of awesomeness in this episode. Before we dive in, I want to read to you the review of the week. And this week's review comes from Suan C.O. And she says, what a blessing. I love the honest, open nature of these podcasts. It is nice to have focus on the areas we as women need. I love Sarah's openness and genuine love for what she does. Highly recommend this for every woman, no matter what her stage in life. Thank you so much, Sue Ann CEO. We are totally blessed to have you as a part of our community. Thank you so much for those beautiful words. All right, my friends, here we go. Here is my interview with Anthony. All right, welcome to this episode of the We Podcast. So, so exciting that I have Mr. Anthony Santangelo here today with me to chat about all the things. 
I'm excited for you all to be able to hear his story and to get to know him. And so thank you, Anthony, for being here with me today. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for the privilege and honor to, uh, to be on your show. It just, it's, it's very much appreciated. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> me too. Yeah. So as you know, I know you're a listener of the podcast. You kind of know what the premise of the podcast is, but in case there's people who are listening for the first time, the We Podcast is really about speaking our truth and, and telling our story and and growing, hearing how other people have kind of come through and risen above the challenges that they've experienced in life. And so I know you have a powerful and impactful story. And so I would love for you to start out by kind of letting us know where your story began. Where it began. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big question. (laughs) It is. It is. Well, uh, I grew up about a half hour west of Philadelphia, PA. I, I still live right outside Philly, about a half hour from the uh, Philadelphia International Airport. I've always been a Pennsylvania guy, except for one year in South Jersey. And, uh, and I grew up as a kid. Uh, I grew up in a Christian environment. I did. You know, I went to Christian school, third through 12th grade. My graduating class was six people, <laughs> which is not normal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> not normal at all. I still talk to all of them at different levels, a couple a little closer than, than the others, uh, you know, with it. So, but, you know, I grew up in that environment obviously scripture verses memorized and christian environment do the right thing huge sports fan grew up playing a lot of sports with itself and uh was taught that you you work and you work and you work and you work and i kind of had that blue collar work ethic instilled in me as a young person uh working around the property of my church which was 47 acres uh, Mm. that the uh the church had at the time you know with it so i kind of Took that into everything I did, whether it's sports or just, I wasn't um, the best student. I like to call myself average, which is best of the worst, I like to say. And, you know, but I always did my homework every night. <laughs> always did my homework every night, you know, so. But yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how I, I grew up, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Philly and small town, obviously, or was, this, was the town small that you were in or just your school? Uh, just my school was the, the school was uh, it was a, it was a, a, the school was specifically for members of the church I grew up with, okay uh, which unfortunately both are not in existence anymore which is sad but there's the school and the church but uh, it was only for members of the church with that so I started you know getting involved in that when I was about five years old with my parents first my dad. And then my mom had joined uh, a little bit later with it. Uh, And then I didn't end up going to the school. I went to public school, kindergarten, first and second grade in a town called Broomall, Pennsylvania, uh, which is about 20 minutes from uh, from Philly with it. So then I ended up moving as a teenager um, to right outside Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And everyone that has heard of Valley Forge with George Washington and all the different things there. Mm -hmm. I lived in in Valley Forge. uh, or Valley Forge or Phoenixville, which is five minutes from Valley Forge, throughout my whole teenage years, actually from about 11 years old to 18, I was there. So, so I would say smaller town, like suburbs of Philly. Um, not, not, not a, you know, I didn't never lived in Philly, but I always had that type of, you know, Philly 
Rocky Balboa Italian mentality type thing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's how I, uh, how I grew up, you know, if you weren't working, it was, you know, get off, you know, and don't be posing for a holy picture, you know, type of thing is, is one of the things my childhood friend's father, who I'm still close with them, I used to always say all the time when we were doing construction, you know, what are you posing for a holy picture? You know, stop holding up that shovel, you know, type of thing, you know, so <laughs> that's kind of how it was <laughs> as a teenager, uh, learning the ways of, of construction, you know, once upon a time, you know, so. So that's where you started out was in construction. Well, yeah, I, I, uh, the church I grew up in, they, they were building a second building. So we did a lot of con uh, construction and landscaping. Uh, and that's what I did throughout my teenage years. And I worked my summers. And that's how I kind of instilled a, a work ethic in us. And my childhood friend, uh, Jamison Glennon, who I'm close with, I'm actually going to have lunch with him later today. He owns a construction company now, actually. So it worked out for him pretty well. Me, my, my effort was always there. I always had the effort and, and gave it all, but the speed wasn't. Uh, so I grew up in construction and then went into construction after high school because so I didn't want to go to college. And I failed miserably, <laughs> miserably. And, and back then, and I wrote this in my book, you know, back then the only time really that I felt good Sarah was 20 hours of 11 at night and six in the morning when I slept for seven hours. Hmm. I, you know, then I got up at six and I was like, uh, I had this pit in my stomach cause I lacked confidence. I didn't feel I was good at what I was doing. I had no self-worth. This was a year after my mom died cancer year, year, year and a half after she died of cancer. Uh, you know, it just, it was a lot of things in my head and this, I just, I felt like I was a nobody. Uh, you know, where I saw my buddy was excelling and he was given more responsibility and I was like at the bottom and like, I kept like going lower if that was possible. I don't know how that was, but that's kind of how I felt, you know, with it. So, but yeah, so construction, uh, that's where it started <laughs> and quickly failed uh, after about a year. So. so I know that, that your mom passing is a huge part of your story. And I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about that. I know it's in your book, which to next mindset habits is that book. So if those listening want to grab that book and, and, and read it's a, it's an amazing book, but do you feel okay with telling us a little bit more about that piece of your journey? Uh, with you, Sarah, I do, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, that, uh, I haven't really, I've only one time gone into the depths of the whole thing with my mom on camera. And that was a, a and my mom died of breast cancer. And that was a breast cancer fundware, fundraiser awareness we did for a woman named Michelle Schrey back in July. And uh, if you recall, I knew I was going live. It was a first ever Facebook Live-a-thon we did. 48 of us did a half hour Facebook Live consecutively and raised $35,000 for Michelle. Uh, who's fighting breast cancer in Washington state. Mm. And uh, I had reached out to you because, you know, I felt closer with you and I wanted you to be on there. Cause I, I just knew if I saw a little bubble pop up on Facebook live, I knew Sarah was there. I just felt like I, I just imagined myself not talking to the 75 to hundred people that were on that Facebook live, but I was just talking to you. So yes, I have no problem talking about that with you on it. So, but uh, my mom was um, diagnosed with breast cancer in 1984. I was, I was seven years old at the time. 
And I didn't know what was going on. My uh, two sisters were three and one uh, at the time. And she had surgery and she was okay. And I didn't really know anything at the time. Well, in 88, it came back. Now, at this point, I knew something was going on. I was 11, almost 11. And I just remembering like wanting a piece for her and the family. I just didn't know. And, you know, and growing up outside of Philadelphia, being 100% Italian, you're taught, at least I was taught, or maybe the better word is programmed, to not show emotion. Hmm. to not be vulnerable. Vulnerable is not in someone's uh, vocabulary uh, hmm. as a guy. And, and you've talked about this before on, on your podcast and also your, your Facebook live show about this. It's harder for guys to do that. And you held things in. And it, it came back in 88 and, and okay, and then she was okay. And then, and then it came back in 92, four years, like four-year periods. It was kind of weird. Now hmm. in 92, I'm 15. Now it's like, Anthony, are you okay? Everyone and the members of my church, it's like, get away from me, get away from me. You know, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, and I felt like I didn't have any escape back then other than playing football, uh, which I didn't run fast, but I used to tell the opposing players, if I catch you, you're going to feel it. And, and I, that's what I did. I, I felt like when I tackled somebody playing football, I had so much anger yeah. So much anger in me, Sarah, that uh, when I was tackling that halfback or running back or quarterback or receiver or whatever, I, I wanted to just put all my problems on them. Mm. You know, I remember separating my, my friend's shoulder on, on a play one time. And I just, and part of me felt bad because I was just, I was like trying to put all my problems on him and it wasn't his fault. It was just, I'm just tackling him, you know, mm. I ended up separating a shoulder, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, and that's, it was that, and then I had youth group where I would kind of consume myself in a youth group that was not part of my church, but people that I related to, but they weren't like the daily people members of my church. It was a little different. And I played basketball, and that was my chance to play basketball and try to shine. So, so I kind of focused myself into sports nonstop to do that. Between that and, you know, date myself, you know, watching Melrose Place and 90210, which I'm sure you can relate to that. (laughs) You're only only a couple of years younger than me, you know, so, uh, you know, that was like, you know, the thing I did. So that was a a difficult time. The the hospice nurses coming in and out. Uh, There was a, a a lot of women in the church I grew up to coming in and seeing my mom, Donna, Uh, you know, it was my mom's name. And it was a unique type of setting. You know, I'm getting ready for school. I'm coming out of the shower pale, and we got people that are coming in and bringing my mom breakfast and to her room. And, you know, it's, mm. you know, it was just a, it was a weird thing for me as the only guy. And, you know, my dad was, uh, you know, focusing on work and doing everything he could do for her. And he was focused there, not necessarily his three children. You know, he was more focused on on that, as he should be, as he should have, you know, type of thing. So, yeah, it definitely was not a, a good time. Those, you know, my sophomore and junior in high school uh, was, uh, mm. yeah, it wasn't easy. No, it sounds devastating. I mean, those are hard years anyways, 
but I think, gosh, to have your mom battling this disease and, and watching it and, uh, I can't even imagine how hard that must have been. It, it wasn't fun. I mean, it, the, the, this, the, I mean, when you see somebody have a seizure and multiple seizures she was having because the, the breast cancer spread to her leg and it got to a point where she'd become bedridden. Hmm. You know, it, it was as a teenage boy, there was a certain level of embarrassment, you know, to go through that, you know, and, hmm. and you know, you watch the hospice nurses and it just, it, you know, it, it, it's like, where do you go with that? You can't, people are like, oh, I'm here, you can talk. And it's like, if you talk, then you're a wuss, then you're a wimp. Hmm. You know, and it's like, it's like you're not tough, you know. And, and that's how I grew up. And, you know, to a certain extent, that, that upbringing instilled a work ethic in me where nobody, nobody outworks me, you know. So, I mean, so that, that was a good sign. You know, it developed a work ethic for me in my, in my career, you know, uh, that I've been able to excel at, you know. So that's great. But the other side of it is that type of thinking has stunted my growth in relationships. I stunted my, my growth as a person to be able to sit there and speak your mind and say, hey, you're going through this struggle, you're going through that struggle, and to know you're not going to be judged. We're not going to look at, okay, well, you know, you're supposed to be tough, tough it up and stop being a wimp. Mm. Uh, you know, that was a huge thing as a teenage Boy, and, and, and people are listening to, you know, if you're from the Northeast and you're like that and your last name ends in a vowel, like, yeah, that's like how you grew up. Maybe out West or the, or the Midwest or down South isn't like that as much, but it's like, you'll get just, you know, put in a position where it's like, okay, well, you suck, you know, or, you, you know, it's, and it's like, then you, have, then you have that peer pressure already. It's like, you're trying to keep, keep up with people, you know, and I already felt that with my, my family wasn't good enough. I wasn't, you know, I, we, we weren't the Glennon family. We weren't the Kyle Lori family. We weren't the Donatelli family. We we're the Santangelo family. And, you know, people that looked at me as, as Donna's son liked me and people looked at me as Tony's son thought I was, you know, an asshole, uh, you know, and it's it just basically um, how I was, how it was, uh, you know, with it. So going through that and you go through school and now with a small school that's part of your church, everyone's involved in your freaking business every day. Mm-hmm. That made it even harder with that. And, uh, and that's where a lot of the, I mean, a lot of suicidal thoughts came in, you know, just to be totally vulnerable about the whole situation. You know, it just, I didn't, like I said, I, I felt like all I had was sports youth group. And, and, you know, as a teenager, what do you do? You identify with your music. You know, so for me, it was Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. That probably brings back some memories for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, watching Melrose and 90210, you know, so, uh, and watching sports. And that's what I did. So, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you had no outlet. You had no, no one to truly connect with on a deeper level about what was really happening with you. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and I had people that were there for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it was me choosing to not talk about things yeah uh you, you know and, and i'm very privileged to say a lot of those people i grew up with i still relate to to this day mm-hmm. uh you know on it so but it was you know it was interesting because the the week my mom died i i was 17 and i only had my permit i didn't have my license at the time because again i was i for for and this will for anyone who listens to this podcast that, that follows me on social media they'll be shocked at this but i lacked confidence big time in my life 
and a lot of you don't see that in who I am today. And my part of that conference was was my driver's license uh, as well. You know, I had failed my driver's test, and it took me five times to pass my permit test because I, I felt like I was stupid. Finally got that. And I only had my my permit. So my dad had a, a little shop. My dad was a heating, ventilation, and air conditioning guy back then. And he was just starting to getting into opening and closing swimming pools, which he did for the better part of 20 plus years. And he still occasionally does that today. He dropped me off at his shop. He said, you know, you know, mom's not doing good. You know, and my dad calls me Sonny, is what he calls me. He doesn't call me Anthony. He calls me Sonny. And I said, I know dad. And he said, well, you know, she could die any day. I said, I know that. I mean, it's, I'm 17 years old, so I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there. It's, it's I'm like stone face. You know, I, I probably had a better poker face back then than I do today. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, and it's uh, to be able to, to do that. Well, I was at my dad's shop, and it was about lunchtime. So I walked around the corner, and I went and got a couple slices of pizza. And what a surprise, right? Me eating pizza. And I'm sitting there, you know, eating a couple slices, and I'm going to knock on the door. And it's my childhood friend, Jameson Glenn. And I said, what are you doing here, dude? And he said, you got to come with me. I'm like, why? He said, well, your mom died. Hmm. You know, so it was an interesting dynamic that my, I didn't, you know, I wasn't there when she died because she did not, my mom did not want to die in a hospital. My mom's mom died of breast cancer as well, my grandma Mary, uh, and she died in the hospital. My mom did not want to die in a hospital. So she had the hospice nurses coming in. You know, obviously I didn't have my driver's license. So when this happened, my dad reached out and Jameson, who is, we're three days apart in age, but he had his license already because he was, you know, excelled at everything as he does. He was there and he broke that news to me. So he knew my mom died before I did, which people think, well, that's kind of weird, Santangelo, right? A family member known that. Well, looking back on it and, and my friendship with him, uh, 37 you know, years now, we've known each other since we were five, uh, I wouldn't have it in their way, you know, uh, with that. You know, of course, he's, you know, and I'm here for you, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Just like one word answers, just shut them down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, type of thing. She, she died, my grandfather, my mom's dad, who thankfully is still living, he was in the room when she died. She was in the middle of having a, a seizure and the, she had stopped and the hospice nurse started, and this is what I was told, you know, uh, obviously I wasn't there. The hospice nurse started just bawling and my grandpa Carlo, you know, he didn't understand. He was looking at Melanie, who the hospice nurse was. I still remember her name because she's such a, an effect there. He didn't understand what was going on, but the hospice nurse knew that she just died right in front of her. Mm. Uh, so my grandfather didn't even know until Melanie had said something to him, you know? So, I mean, imagine that. That's, I mean, I guess I'm kind of happy I wasn't there, but my, my grandfather was there when it happened. Interesting thing about those hospice nurses, um, Melanie and there was another one, Tanya, who I had a crush on, actually. actually. <laughs> Just to be tr- totally truthful here, you know? So, uh, you know, I was 17, you know? So, and uh, the... Um, you know, they had a huge, like, they could tell that my mom was different than the average patient. Her spirit, her Christ-like the things that she did, the way she, the way she encouraged people to go out there and, and be better. Mm-hmm. And 
I see the way people that reach out to me now, and obviously me being, you know, uh, I pride myself on being your sales trainer and mentor for life, uh, you know, and I'm able to help them. It's almost like she's living through me, you know, with those type of things. I inherited those gifts from her because mm-hmm. she did that with women in in the, the Christian community, the the church that she grew up in. That they had, you know, it was almost like she had her own wee spot mm-hmm. going. So, mm-hmm. to speak, uh, you know, with that, you know, and, and she had an effect on those two hospice nurses that rotated in and out, you know, type of thing on it. Right. So, but yeah, that all, um, that all happened. She died August 4th, 1994, uh, is when all that kind of came to a, to a head there, uh, you mm-hmm. know, so. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I know it's gotta be hard to walk back through that, but, uh, I love to see, though, too, Anthony, how far you've come because I know that, well, I know it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to share the pieces of your story. And you're talking a lot about how back then, and I'm sure so many men can relate to what you're saying. I think women also, you know, stuff it down and pour yourself into sports and only express your feelings through aggression or, uh, or through sports. And I think that that's, unfortunately it is so, so common. And then you go through a traumatic event like that and it, it can make you withdraw into yourself even more, which it sounds like that's, what it did for you at that time, but you have now figured out how to start, how, how to do things differently and, and how to carry on that legacy of your mom and encouraging others and helping others and training others to, to be better in their lives. And it's a beautiful thing. So thank you for sharing that. You know, it's interesting because Everyone always says things happen for a reason, right? But, you know, that's what the surface says. But inside, we're screaming our heads like, why the hell did this happen, right? You know, and for me, one of the things I've realized is that when you go through struggles in life, whether if it's a death of a loved one, if it's a broken relationship, a divorce, a broken engagement – you know, uh, hardship of, of, a, of a friend that turns on you, people that let you down, career choices gone bad, uh, injustices. I mean, all these things I think everybody can relate to is listening right now. Sometimes we don't understand why we go through it, but we have a choice. Just like I had a choice that month before my senior in high school, my mom died, I had a choice. I could, okay, I could sit here and I could blame God. I could sit here and be bitter. I could sit here and say, okay, this is an excuse and reason for me to go let off steam and turn to a life of, of drugs and alcohol and, and, and crime or any type of things. Or you can say, okay, how are you going to move past it? And the interesting thing, Sarah, is a month before my mom died, we had a Grand Canyon trip in Arizona. And my dad did not want me to go, did not want my sister Lori to go, who was 13. Joanne was too young. And my mom had said, you know, in, in one of her rare times toward the end that she was coherent, 
you know, because a lot of it, she didn't, you know, she would tell my dad, get these cats out of the room. Tony, there was no cats in the room. She'd call me Chuck, yeah. who is her brother, my uncle, not, you know, things like that. Uh, but she said, let them go, Tony. And if there's, only, there's only one person on this earth that my dad ever listened to on a consistent basis, and that was my mom. And that's still the case. You know, he doesn't, so there's no one left that he listens to <laughs> on a consistent basis, my father, uh, you know, but, you know, he listened to her. And I remember sitting in, back then I was taught that you brought your Bible everywhere you go. You know, you're on vacation, you bring your Bible. Okay. So we finished hiking Bryce National Park in Utah. And we were about to start hiking Mount Havasupai Village in, in uh, Arizona, the Grand Canyon. And I remember sitting in my tent in Utah by myself. And I was like, God, if you're real, okay, I grew up with you and this and that and everything. If you're really out there, then you need to give me a freaking piece about this. Because obviously my mom's going to die. It, my life sucks right now. And I don't have anything good going on. Now what? And it was like, I, you know, uh, I, I did not hear his voice. I did not speak in tongues or anything like that. But I just felt like in my heart, I heard, you know, I guess the, the, mo- the 2019 modern way of saying this, Anthony, I got you. You know, but it wasn't like that back in 94. You know, so I don't know. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like I was prepared, and that was the the, the first week in July of '94, and that was a, a month before she died. So when she died, I felt more prepared for that. So things happen for a reason. So I I, I didn't cry about my mom until like five years later. Uh, you know, it was kind of interesting. But part of that was that tough image. So part of it was a there was a piece that God gave me. But the other part of it was that Santangelo tough image. No one's going to stop me. You know, it's just, I mean, you know, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, you know, to get away from me, you know, type of thing. So yeah. that wasn't, that was the unvulnerable, you know, Anthony, you know, with it. So, but I guess where I'm going with this, and I wanted to bring a little bit back and I'll bring it forward. What I've seen now in my life is you go through things, Sarah, and it might take you 10, 20 years to understand how what you went through once upon a time how it can impact the lives of others today. Mm. So for yourself, because obviously I'm in your story, the things that you have gone through in your life, okay, that I won't go into details about, but you've said your story and you've been vulnerable on camera too, but you've been through a lot of stuff in your life, a lot of stuff you have. Those things have shaped you today to be a better wife to Nick, to be a better mom to Aubrey and Logan, to be the awesome counselor you are to women, to positively impact this man's life, <laughs> and, and you know, to do that, and then you know, for your pe- you know, the people that inspire because they have been through that. And when I realized that, when the light switch turned on, was I was in Arizona again in November of 2017. So again, it was like, I was just it was it was amazing how Arizona again did this. So it was November 2017. I was uh, finishing up my campaign for a Toyota dealership. And I'm doing my one-on-ones. I had a big class and not everyone was going to be hired. And I had a young lady. I was, Anthony, before you tell me if I'm hired, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, okay. So I shut up and listened with the intent of understanding, as you've taught me. <laughs> and she said to me, she goes, Anthony, four years ago, on my very own birthday, Anthony, I found my mother dead in our house. Mm. And I was just like, and now I'm, I was already listening, but now I'm like listening even more. Mm-hmm. And she starts to cry. And she goes, I have not had closure about this in my life 
And so you talked about your mom today in training class. Now, the crazy thing about this, Sarah, is this, and this is why I, I, I don't remember her birthday, the young lady, but I remember she was born in 95. She wasn't even alive when my mom died. So when I went through that as a teenager, trying to understand, and I didn't blame God, I didn't blame him, but I was trying to question God and say, why did you sit here and rip my family the hell apart? Or my family just blew apart, and it, do, and it did and kind of still does. You know, why was it like that where the Donatelli's were okay, the Calories were okay, the Glennons were okay, the Hills were okay, the Christians were okay, all these families I grew up with that we had these solid families. You know, they were okay, but we didn't. I didn't understand it. But for me, I'd go through all that again to positively impact that young lady, her name's Ashley, to positively impact her life, who wasn't even alive in 1994, because I helped her with that. She got closer. She still goes through it. We still occasionally email her and I. And she has a passion for the piano and started playing the piano again. Mm. And I say, congratulations, by the way, you're hired. Or she was slept. You know, and, and uh, you know, she's now in, um, she actually made a transition. She's into Disney cruises. So she sells Disney cruises online. And she absolutely loves it. Uh, as she, we emailed back and forth as, uh, I think it was uh, three weeks ago was the last time we had sent an email and she's absolutely loving it and things are going well and she's playing the piano again and she's very much involved in her niece and nephew's lives. You know, so I, I help with that. So it, when we're going, and this is the point I'm making is this, and I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, is to be able to go through those things is a huge impact because when you're going through and it sucks and you don't understand why you're going through what you're doing and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel and everything you touch doesn't turn to soul and you just, it's like, God, why? Why does it suck? I can't get business. I can't do this. I feel lonely. Whatever it may be, there's a reason why you're going through it and it's, it's to be a vessel and to impact the lives of others if you allow it and if you grow through the process. And and when I saw that and I flew home that night, or actually that night, yeah, that night I flew home because I was out there back to back weeks in Arizona. And I was like, wow, it was worth it. It was worth it. So, I mean, just to give people encouragement listening to the podcast, if you're going through something right now, whatever it may be, if you're a single mom, okay, if you're going through a divorce, if you were married for 23 years and your husband went and cheated on you and, and you feel worthless, if your kids are struggling, if you're having a hard time finding the right career, if you grew up like me and had told you to be tough and you can't show emotion, guess what? The person I'm looking at in the stream right now that you can't see because this is all audio, but I'm looking at right now, taught this Philly Italian to be vulnerable. And I appreciate her so much because it's not only made me be a better sales trainer, it's made me be a better man. Mm. And that's how you can really impact the lives of others by growing. Mm. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, I gosh, I love what you said and thank you. I, I appreciate you. But you said that you go through it to be a vessel and to impact others. We need to um meme that, Anthony. But the 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 other piece is if you allow it. And I think that is so so important. That is the key right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to be open to allowing it. 
And for me, you know, becoming a, a, a national sales recruiter and trainer for Automax Recruiting and Training, it changed my life and my perception and perspective of it. You know, obviously, I ended up having a very strong career in the automotive industry and, and selling yeah. cars and, and things like that. And that, so obviously, I, I built some confidence with that over just under two decades uh, of working for Nissan in my last nine, working for Nissan Subaru. But being a trainer, it, it's a different perspective of where you share now where I don't have a problem when I teach a training class to have tears in my eyes. I don't have a problem to sit there and be vulnerable and speak about things. And you taught me that. You absolutely did. Not that, obviously, I had Patrick Lies before that, but as you and I have gotten closer, we've known each other for about two years now. And we, we met in January of 2018, so just over a year ago. But over this past year, just the, the conversations, uh, you know, I'm privileged, probably, the, probably one of the few guys that has your cell phone number, right, that I guard with my life, uh, <laughs> you know, type of thing, you know. So it's just, but uh, to be able to do that and to watch your lives and listen to the, the, the wonderful women that you've had on your podcast and, and also that, that you've had Nick on your podcast, you've had Ken on your podcast as well, you know, to, to see and to grow from that, you have to allow that. And that's making me now be more transparent when it comes to my relationships in my life at all different levels, personal and professional, you know, with that, where I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to just tell them that. And if the person wants to judge me, so what? If the person doesn't have anything to do with me, I don't care. I couldn't do that a year ago, you know, so even to talk about this stuff on camera, I mean, uh, I did it for Michelle because I thought it was the right thing for the breast cancer. But I'm telling you, that that wouldn't have gone the way it went if you weren't on there. And I, you had a boatload of things you were doing that Sunday evening. You were with your family and you were making a commitment to stay off social media, to, to be with Nick and the kids and Aubrey and Logan. And, and you know, and I said, please, you know, and, and, and you came and you were there. And that helped me where I just I sat there and looked at the, the computer the whole time. And I was just looking at the, your bubble. I felt like I was just talking to you and that, you know, for, for me, I mean, I don't get scared of nothing. Right. But I was afraid that night, you know, type of thing. Hmm. But it's like, I let that piece go, go. And it was for the better cause uh, for Michelle who has horrible medical insurance and she has a boatload of medical bills in Washington state. And we were able to, to be a part of that as you were as well, you know, type of thing. So it's, I, I couldn't do those things. And that's where the, the wheels started really turning last July when, when we did that. And I, I took a different leap uh, mm. with that on it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the thing though, like so often, even in therapy or when I do my videos online or I can teach what I know I can teach, I can teach all the things about vulnerability and about growth and all of that, but it doesn't really mean much if you don't take that and apply it to your life, which you have done. You are an example of what that looks like to take some, take the information that you have and, and put it into action. And now you are experiencing the difference in life in general when you are vulnerable versus when you're not. Yeah. I mean, and it's a huge, it's a change. 
I mean, I just, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The word vulnerable was not in this guy's vocabulary. Uh, you know, and I look back on past relationships and, and I see my faults of, of not being able to do that. You know, and just, I mean, you speak your mind, great. No one's ever going to mistake me as the shy kid in class, you know, <laughs> but, but to go really deep down about things, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a whole different perspective and it's a paradigm shift to be able to do that where you're accepting yourself for who you are and now letting people see as when you have a, the privilege and honor to positively impact lives across the country that I have, right now I have that privilege to be able to have that and you see people go through things and they come up to you after class and they say, and they pull you aside one-on-one, you know, -on -one, listen, you know, you've helped me, like, like Ashley, she helped, uh, it was game closure. Another um, gentleman who, who was just absolutely rocking it at, at a Hyundai dealership in, uh, outside of Allentown, Pennsylvania. His name's Sean, he experienced a hardship of a loss in his family. And the first time that I had met him, uh, and he said, you help me with that, you know, or you help me get careers and we're, you know, you have veterans that served our country that we are huge with automatics and getting them uh, hired in the car business where they've been through hell, literally in war, some of them. Mm -hmm. I had somebody in my class in Long Island, New York earlier in the month, uh, who's in his seventies and got hired that, you know, I mean, he told me that he had to kill that's real. That's real shit. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's like you have that impact though. I mean, the, the guy had such an impact. He, I mean, I get a lot of hugs after class. This guy hugged and kissed me on the cheek, you know, I mean, so, and he wasn't Italian, he was Jewish, you know, but it was, it was, I mean, but, and it didn't bother me, you know, I mean, it's just cause I, I mean, he, he was to respect my culture as an Italian guy type of thing, you know, it's just, you have those impacts with it. So to have people grow, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, and I've told you this so many times before, Sarah, that and this is why I talk about you in my training classes. And I, I encourage every woman, because we get a lot of women hired in the car business, because the, well, women in automotive is a powerful thing. It's very, very powerful. And women sell more cars on average than a man does. But when you walk into a dealership, you see a bunch of dudes. But women feel more comfortable with women. Uh, but, and they have that thought to build their confidence. And, you know, I share with them this. And they see that they can trust me. I'm not some creepy crawler type of thing. And I share with them about you. And, and I go into a little bit of detail about you, the hardships you've gone through uh, as well in your life. And I touch on each one in a very soft way. You know, but it's like, and was, I'm like, listen, friendly request this girl. You know, she'll help you. There are things she can help me, but I can't because I'm a guy. You know, but it's like, and they get in the car industry and they start excelling because now they've looked at their poor past results and their difficulties in relationships, uh, their difficulties in, in feeling lack of confidence, feeling stupid, being afraid to get on camera, uh, all those different things that women struggle with, right? That's just true, mm -hmm. right? You know, that you go through that and say, no, I can do this. And they look at people and look up to people like yourself or, or Lisa Copeland uh, as well, who's a huge impact in the automotive industry, who's a friend of mine. You know, it's like to be able to do that and then they grow in that, it's exciting. It really, it really is to be able to see that. And it all started with being able to just put yourself out there and put your heart in the line. And what I have to say, 
you're leading with your heart, but you're removing all the blockage that's in front of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Cause it's like, you know, in real life, right. You have a, a, a blockage. You have to have what a double bypass or a quadruple bypass. You can have a heart attack. Well, what are heart attacks caused by stress? What's stress caused by finances and romances? You know, it's just reality. You know, well, it's the same thing in our life because we put so much stuff in front of our heart where we block that because and those blocks are fear, resentment, pride, laziness, self-preservation. And it's because our heart has been hurt because of poor past results by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then we want to sit and judge that person in front of us on that because of the hurt we've had in the past when that person could be the right person to impact your life personally or professionally or both, you know, with that, that's why we have to remove that. And like John Maxwell says, you have to lead your life in every aspect, not accept it. Uh, you know, type, type of thing. When I saw John speak earlier in the month, I mean, when I heard that, I was like, wow, hmm. you know, I mean, John Maxwell was already the man, but yeah. you know, it was like, <laughs> you know, when I heard that, I was just like, holy crap. Like this is a, oh, this is good stuff here, you know? So, and that's what you can do when you stop thinking about yourself and you impact the lives of others. Now, does that mean that your heart won't get stepped on again? No, there's only two, two guarantees in life, death and taxes, right? You know, mm-hmm. so that you can't guarantee that your heart won't be stepped on again, but how much could you possibly gain yourself and other people by leading with your heart and removing that blockage? That's the true sign of growth, not just in automotive sales, but in every type of aspect in your life. And if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're working the grocery store, you're in real estate, you're in insurance, you're a, you know, a physical trainer, you're a controller, you're, you're in accounting, whatever it may be, every type of aspect on it. So that's the sign of, of growth. And again, a lot of this all started, you know, the, the, that seed was planted by you. With it. And that's why I just, I love you so much like a brother and sister. I do. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, I always feel like you give me a little too much credit, though. <laughs> but you deserve, you deserve it, though. I mean, you abso- I mean absolutely. I mean, who, who would have thought that this, this quiet girl with a nervous laugh in Colorado that, <laughs> that, that, that knew who I was before I met her, but didn't really know. We knew who each other were. Then we meet, we're at the same VIP, VIP table at a conference, you know, and, and all of a sudden we strike up this friendship, you know, and it's just, uh, and, and it's like, uh, and I look at Sunday nights at 10 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock your time, and I, you know, and watch that. And the only time I don't watch it is if I fall asleep in my hotel room from traveling and I'm texting <laughs> you apologizing and watching the replay commenting, you know, because it's like that time, it's like time to grow. Uh, with that, and that sets my mind off right when I walk into that dealership the next day, and I'm there to impact the lives of others in dealerships across the country, you know, and, and treating them with, with, you know, treating everybody uh, as we say at Automax, we have a saying by Og Mandino, and I know you know who Og is. It's a book called A Better Way to Live, and it's beginning today. Treat everyone you meet, friend or foe, loved one or stranger, as if they were to be dead at midnight. It's in each person that how trivial to contact all the care, kindness, and love you can muster and do it with no thought of any reward. Your life will never be the same again. When you have that dead at midnight principle and you're applying that, you cannot focus on yourself saying, poor me, poor me, this is difficult, it's lonely, it sucks, whatever it is, you had a bad birthday, whatever it may be, right? Hmm. You can't focus on that. You have to rise above it 
and say we're here to impact the lives of others. Uh, and, and and when you do that, and that's I mean, and again, that's just I, I don't give you too much credit. I give you you, you even need more credit uh, mm. with that because it's not just me. My, I I can I can name twenty people off the top of my head that I mean, all of them are women off the top of my head, but that have all impacted been impacted by your life. You know, uh, I mean, with that, I mean, just to, I mean, name a few. I mean, Heather, Dina. Tina, you know, I mean, uh, Naomi, I mean, just a lot of different people that, that, that are there. A lot of my students follow you uh, as, as, as well, you know, so I mean, it's just, so well, thank you. Know, you. I, I thank, I thank you. You know, I yeah. thank you. You're just <laughs> tremendous. You really are. Well, I thank you for taking, taking it and, and running with it and, and impacting the lives that you are impacting. So it's amazing. It's awesome. Well, you're, you're, you're impacting the, when I impact someone's life across the country in car dealerships across the country, you are impacting them. And it's, it's like things that you live through them. I mean, you're still living, but it's like, I'm a better sales trainer because of the things I've learned from you. I'm also a better man because of you as well. You know, the things I, I've learned, Donna Santangelo is still living today through me because of the way that she mentored uh, and, and helped those other women at the church I grew mm -hmm. up in. I'm mentoring other men and women that mm -hmm. are in the car industry, helping them get a better career to make money for themselves and their family if it applies. And of course, it makes more money for their dealerships as well. So mm -hmm. she's still living. My mentor, George DeBoyce, who passed away six years ago, uh, this March would be six years. You know, there's things I say that he taught me. So George DeBoyce is still living in me. Those things are still there. Uh, you know, with that. So that, that's what it's about. It's like, how are you going to impact? I mean, it's a challenge. Uh, as an, I know we have to wrap up here a little bit. You know, as, as, we ch as, as a challenge there, you know, what are you going to go through where you're going to impact that person's life and that person's going to pay it forward and they're going to say, let me tell you about this person that actually impacted. The way that I'm giving you praise right now, you know, if you sit there and, and you impact that person's life, now they're going to turn around and impact other people's lives and they'll give you credit. Hey, I learned this from him. I learned this from her. And that's how we grow. But when we sit there and we squash it down and we're taught to hold it in and everything is a bottleneck where all we can do is, is, is have our vices to do it, whether it's smoking, drugs, you know, running around, getting drunk nonstop, you know, type of thing, or just holding it in and you, you, you take it out and, and you're playing sports like I did as a teenager, you know, whatever it may be, or you stare and you say alone by yourself, you're home alone, right? All that type of stuff. You know, it's like you, 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 not only stunt your own growth, you're being selfish in one way, we are not letting others be impacted. And that's, yeah. and that's a challenge that, that I go through. And not every day is perfect. I mean, I, uh, I told you off camera tonight, uh, this week's been a little bit of a struggle for me. But you know what? It's like, as I'm talking about this, it's like I'm snapping out of it. I'm snapping out of it because I'm looking at this person that inspires me. It's like, go out there and you go out there and, you know, what would Sarah say? You know, it's just type of <laughs> 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 well, I'm glad. Well, I uh, we celebrate you, Anthony, and I know your birthday was yesterday, and and I hope you know that that we all celebrate you, and we all celebrate what what you're doing in this world. So, your gift. So, I hope you hope you know that. Oh, um, you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, I want you to say a little bit because I know 
you've referred to it that you are an Automax sales trainer. Can you just tell people a little bit more, like what does that mean exactly? Yeah, I, I, uh, I recruit, interview, and train sales and BDC people across the country. Uh, we can get you any position in the store from Port of the President. So technicians, ASMs, finance managers, accounting personnel, we, we staff your stores. Automax is the number one automotive recruiting and training company in the country. We're in our 21st year. Uh, Craig Lockhart is the, founding, is the pr president and, and founder and CEO of the organization. And we're different than your average training company because all of us, you know, it, it takes a lot to get in with us, you know, with that. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at adding more trainers myself personally right now, and I'll go through 100 people that apply to find one person. I mean, it's just... You know, with that, because it's a certain mindset of impacting with it. But we do that. And we'll come to your store and we'll staff stores. We'll do existing training. A lot of dealerships only think, oh, you're just here to get us only salespeople. No, we can train your existing staff as well. You know, and it's, a, well, we can do that ourselves. Absolutely, you can. But mm -hmm. how can you do it when you're working two deals at once, another person needs an appraisal, the girl in accounting is looking for clarification, what you put in the back screen. The service guy's looking for a $1,500 okay for the used car safety check. You know, the owner is texting you about the half million dollars you have on the street for your CIT issue, which is called cash and transit. That's the, your funding for your finance company, you know, the, the, the deals that are financed. And now your receptionist, we'll just call her Brittany, comes up and says that interviews here. It's like, what's your response? Oh, it's like you don't have time to do it. You know, and is your mind focused on that? Is your mind focused on training your salespeople? Mm. It's hard to do that. There's a lot of responsibilities as a manager in a car dealership. And, and it's, it's harder today than it ever has been because of the nonstop pressure from manufacturers to deal with principals, deal with principals to the GM, and GM to the rest of the staff uh, type of thing. So why not do what you do best, and we can do what we do best, and bring you the, the best quantity of quality of applicants. Uh, mm -hmm. That's kind of what we do. You know, so. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, I know you train people to be – to be a salesperson in the car industry mm -hmm. differently to than what, than what people picture as a car salesman. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this about me. I don't know if you know that I worked at a car dealership for a year back in the uh, day. Receptionist? Yes. I, yeah, I, 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 do, I, I do remember that. Yes. Okay. But, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I was the receptionist. And I kind of remember how things went. <laughs> and that was a long time ago. But we're all freaking crazy in the car business. We are, you know, it's <laughs> myself included. You know, you've gotten to know me very well over the last couple of years. You know, you know, I'm a little bit nuts. You know, but. <laughs> well, there's a different, but, but you are creating or you're working hard to create a different culture within dealerships and within the car industry, which I think is, is awesome. So can you speak a little bit to that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we want to change the perception of the car salesperson one step at a time, one customer at a time, one perspective, new hire at a time, train the right way. And then I would say the, you know, the more quality people, people that I have to say, we get hired in dealerships across the country. Now we can get rid of the knuckleheads doing things the wrong way. You know, and it's, a, it's about that employee culture because it's not 1989 anymore. You know, it's not even when I started the car industry back in 97. It's a different aspect now where you have to understand what makes that person tick. And this is why I was telling you off camera before we started, like, 
the reason why I've been trying to bring you into the car industry <laughs> Uh, is because a lot of people, and I mean, you should speak at women in automotive. You really should, you know. And it's just, um, you know, a lot of people need that person to be able to talk them off the ledge. They need a George the Voice in their life who talked me off of my ledge many for many years when, when he was still with us. You know, with it to do that because it's not all about the money, the money, the money, the money, the money. And a lot of times in the car industry, we get so driven because of the pressure that we feel to hit 120% of our objective every month and to go through this, make money, make money. You can't take a day off because it deals. People aren't necessarily programmed that way today in 2019. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to understand, first, you have to give back. And true leadership is understanding that person. And this is why, and I'm going to talk about this in in May at the, the Rockstar Automotive Conference about employee retention. You have to take what I call, we call in the car business, Sarah, we call it a TO. And a TO stands for turnover. And there's a saying in the car industry as a salesperson, if you let a customer leave, walk through the door without taking a TO, just follow them right out. They're, you know, you're going too because you have to have a manager talk to them before they leave. Well, you want to take a TO with your employees and you want to start it with the proper onboarding process where you say to them on the first day, this is you know high-ranking car business officials, owner, general manager, or general sales manager, which are the, the highest ranking for the sales side. Mm-hmm. And you come in and say, listen, how was your first day? Oh, Sarah, it was great. It was wonderful. Okay, talk to you like you know me. You're not going to get fired. I want to know exactly what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. Speak your mind. Talk to me. I want this to be a long-term business relationship. Talk to me. Well, I wasn't real comfortable here. Okay, we'll get that fixed for you. And you have to show that person that you care about them more as a person mm-hmm. than as a salesperson, than as a service writer, than as a detailer, than as an accounts payable, than as a receptionist. You know, it's, you have to be able to show that to them and you show that care. And now you're putting the emotional deposits. Now get into the counseling side of things. You're putting the emotional deposits into the relationship where now they'll build that. And that's how you actually get great employee retention and culture and you get mass production of each person because each person is not going to be your next 35 car a month superstar. Not everyone's like that. But you also can understand that your store could be, could be made or broken by how, your, um, how the receptionist greets your employees if she is first person to talk to your people. If she hates her job and feels mistreated, okay, if, if, if you were letting every salesperson hit on her nonstop, you know, and you make her feel uncomfortable, that's going to come across in her body language and her poker reads, so to speak. And that's mm-hmm. going to set a bad precedence to your customers from the start. And you have your salespeople. If your salespeople are afraid to approach the sales desk and management without being, forgive me, MF'd, Okay, that's how it is in the car industry. You know, it, it's you know it, that's how they feel, and their hair's being blown dry. I mean, that's a better politically correct way to say it. You know, and it's just you know, and to to be afraid of that, that's going to come across to your customers, and you will not earn enough customers for life. So these are all these things, and it starts from the leadership position from the top, the person that owns the place, and male or females. There's female owners as well mm-hmm. uh, that do that. You know, and thinking of which, I'm thinking of Christy Huber Chevrolet right now. I interviewed Christy on my show two weeks ago. She owns a car dealership. She's 31, Sarah, and she owns the joint. And it's not because of dad. It's because of Christy. 
-hmm. and her employee retention is phenomenal. And she's growing the store. Do they sell a bazillion cars? Not yet, but they will. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a type of, type of mentality on it. So sorry to go off on a little bit of tangent there, but it's no. uh, it's an important topic where that's where it starts. It's not just training them in the steps of the sale and understanding what to say next to the customer or have some fancy Jedi mind trick close. No, mm-hmm. it's about understanding what's important to them. And if it's important to them to have a day off, then put a goal in front of them and give them an extra day off. Let them be off on a Saturday for crying out loud and let them go to watch their son's t-ball game for goodness sake. You know, when their daughter's recital is on Thursday night and it's the 28th, oh, it's the end of the month. You can't leave. Bullshit. Let them go. Mm-hmm. Let them go. And because you know when you do that, they'll reciprocate back tenfold with that and you'll get mass production out of that because now they care because you cared for them first. Yeah. Uh, with it. Now that's, that's, the secret to any employee retention, not just in the car industry. That's awesome. So really it's teaching people how to lead and sell with integrity, being led by integrity and true connection with people and care for people than being led by the numbers and the money and all of that. It's that's something that comes if there is integrity and care for people exactly right the money comes mm-hmm. you know it, it's about taking care of the customers and, and showing that you care about them more as a person versus that dollar sign mm-hmm. that's, that's on, on their forehead yeah. and the same thing for, for employee culture as well pull them aside do you know what's important to, to your salespeople, to your service uh, director to your accounting person mm-hmm. what's going on in their life do they have somebody fighting cancer right now you know, I mean, it's just what's going on. Can, can we can we do something? Can we donate? Can, is there a walkathon? I mean, whatever it is, show people that you care and spend that extra time. Well, as you, you know as well as I do, the best thing you can give someone is your time, mm-hmm. not the money. It's your time, and to spend that, even if you spend just five minutes as a higher power position, with that, even on social media, there are certain giants on social media, and a lot of them will only pay attention to those that write them a check. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. One yeah. of the things I pride myself on, no matter how big my social media store gets, you know, and I'm not some giant, but I am growing, and I'm privileged enough to say I have a lot of faithful Facebook followers and LinkedIn followers out there and Twitter followers. You know, with it, I will always return every phone call, every message, every text, you know, everything in a prompt way at the most 24 hours, but usually within, within an hour or two, 90% of the time mm-hmm. type of thing. And you reach out. And it's important to do that because you show people that you care. You do it with no thought for any reward. As one of my followers says, his name is Jason May. And I love Jason May so much. He says, real recognizes real, he says. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. You know, we have to be real that way. And that's one of the reasons why I've joined my chain with you because you're a real person. And you know, I'm a real person, you know, are are, are we different? Yeah. We have a lot of things that are not in common, you and I, but that we're both real and authentic and we both care about people and we build off of that. And that's why we're friends. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. It's good. All right. So I'm going to lead you into my questions now, since we're at the end of our time together today. So the first question that I have for you, Anthony, is what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? What do I feel has been the most vital to my growth? Choosing to do what's right, even if it hurts. 
choosing to do what's right, even if it's sacrifice. My favorite television show is a show called Blue Bloods, which is with Tom Selleck. I love the show so much. That show is about those two things. And one thing I can say in my life is that you, you choose to do what's right, even if it hurts, even sacrifice, even if there's failure, even if it means your heart gets stepped on. Still do what's right, never touching dishonest dollars, never taking that shortcut. And when you do those things, in time, it might take some time, but in time, you'll grow and you'll be more successful, uh, both personally and professionally. It's mm, awesome. Oof, that's good. <laughs> I like that. All right. Number two, what do you want to make sure people know? Walking away from this uh, episode today, what do you want to make sure that they, that they know? Well, I want them to know that whatever it is you're going through, because we all go through stuff and some stuff is harder than other stuff, you know, but whatever it is you're going through, understand that it's, you have a choice to have that take you to the next level. You have that choice to be willing to take a look inside, own it, take responsibility and get better and grow to be able to impact others. Or you can keep wallowing, wallowing in your misery and it stunts your growth. And now you, you know, I would say you're being negative around others. So you have that choice to be positively infectious around others. And you don't have to be somebody that, you know, is a professional speaker or that talks a lot. You can be the quietest person out there that maybe is even afraid, that's afraid to get on camera or even afraid to do a podcast where they didn't see you, you're still afraid. And knowing when you reach out of your comfort zone and you address the things that you've gone through and the hardships, including the injustices that you have been through in your life and say, hey, this happened to me, that happened to me, but I'm still here. Now what? I'll tell you now what. I'm still here. And I'm going to keep growing and keep pushing forward. We all can do that. So if it's a next career that you're looking for, if it's next relationship you're looking for, if it's to be a better significant other, to be a better parent, to be a better child, to be a better grandparent, whatever it may be, yes, you can do it if you choose to look inside and own it and go out there and grow. Learn, develop, grow, and teach, but don't sit fat teaching. Keep on learning again. Mm. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Usually at this point, you say amen, sister, because you interview so many women, right? I know. Amen, brother. <laughs> amen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's what you usually say to all the women on your podcast. Right? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I can just change it up a little bit. Amen, brother. It's <laughs> awesome. All right, I'm going to ask you one more question because it goes back to something you said earlier and I want to make sure to touch on it. What advice would you give to the men who are listening? And maybe not just men, but women as well who have really learned that they should be tough and not show feelings and maybe only express their feelings through aggression or ways that are not helpful for them, what advice would you give to those people? Well, for I think the best advice there 
is what's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. So you've been through your, all these things in your life that you've been through and you keep hitting those same ruts, a lot of you. Because you're not willing to be vulnerable and you know, put yourself out there. Make a change, bring the lefty in from the bullpen and go out there and just, you know, what's the big deal by just coming out there and admitting your feelings? To speak your mind in a different way than never done before. I'm a different person because of Sarah. And for every woman out there, if, if you're not friends with Sarah Moneros on Facebook, like you better be. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you need to do that. You know, any guys, you PM me and I'll, I'll make sure that you're qualified. <laughs> I'm going to protect, <laughs> I'm going to protect Sarah as my baby sister here, you know, and protect her, uh, you know, with it. So, but uh, it's, you know, it's, it's better to do that. And from a guy standpoint, guys, listen, you know, I, like I said before, I got this Rocky Balboa Italian thing going. It's like, yo, uh, Adriano, you know, it's just like, you know, it's like you have that. But if you learn from the Rocky movies, like Rocky had fear and was scared, right? There's life lessons in those movies. And his Adrian was able to get it out of him. Well, guess what? Guys, let your Adrian and your life get it out of you. Come out there and just say it. Sp speak your mind, you know, and have people that are out there and just say it. Because you know what? I've been totally, you know, on this podcast here, I'm exposed, you know, I, I make mistakes. I've been through a lot of things in my life and hardships. My mom died. I'm, I'm, I'm divorced. I have a broken engagement. Uh, you know, uh, I got two kids that I love so much that I, that I miss that aren't biologically mine, but they're not in my life anymore. You know, so I go through these struggles every day as well, but I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to keep moving forward and admit it. Admit your faults, I guess is what it comes down to. Admit your faults and grow from it. Uh, is what it is. So a little bit of a long answer there on that one. So. No, that was awesome. Great. Great advice. All right. So now, uh, last thing is I want to know how can people find you? I will have links to your social media in the show notes, but give people a little rundown on how they can get connected with you outside of this podcast. Well, the best way to get connected with me is I'm a little bit different than, than your average, you know, bear, you know, being my nickname is Moose, you know, so is uh, my, I put my cell phone number out there. So you can call me at any time. If I can't pick up, I always return phone calls. I have a personalized ring on my voicemail and the voicemail box is never full. <laughs> and so my cell phone number, here you go. Grab a pen and paper, write it down, pull the car over to the side. If you're listening to the car, like I do with Sarah's podcast. 267-784-9752. If you're not a phone person, hopefully you are, but if not, you can follow me on Facebook under Anthony Santangelo. Under my personal page, you also can follow my business page, which is Anthony Santangelo uh, at All In Achievers. You can you know, follow either the business page or the personal page uh, with a hit the follow button. LinkedIn under Anthony Santangelo as well. I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. And my Twitter account, which is a little bit more social, LinkedIn and Facebook is all business for me. Twitter's a combination of sports, business, and poker. And that's why my Twitter account is called Poker Car Guy. So the best way to reach me. Oh, and my, if, you, if you're an email person, which most people aren't today, but if you are, my email address is the letter A and then Santangelo at automax with one X recruiting.com. Awesome. Well, I'm sure people will reach out and connect with you, Anthony. So thank you so much for sharing your heart, for being vulnerable with us today, for the awesome words of encouragement and wisdom that you shared. 
I really appreciate you and I appreciate you being here on the show. So thank you so much. Sarah, thank you so much for the privilege and honor to be here. Thank you. All right, my friends, what an awesome interview. We absolutely believe in the power of our stories, and we are so very grateful to our guests who have the courage to speak their truth and share their heart, experiences, and light with all of us. If you want more of the WE podcast, make sure you head over to thewespot.com where you can find all of our episodes as well as the WE Spot blog. The We Spot is your go-to spot for growth, connection, authenticity, and encouragement. You can also find us on social media. Head over to the We Spot Facebook and Instagram pages and get plugged in. You can also find me, Sarah Moneras, on my personal Facebook and Instagram pages as well. If you love the We Podcast, we would be thrilled for you to rate the podcast and write us a review. We want as many people as possible to be lifted up in growth and get connected with our community. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes dropping every single week. We can't wait to see you over on social media. Thank you for being here today. It means a lot to us. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.